Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello, it's Mary Stone on the screen porch. What a shift in the weather. My goodness, it warmed up considerably. I'm just back from a road walk and the darn ticks are in their full speed ahead. Haven't seen many of them. That was one advantage of the drought summer we endured. How fun it was to hear from a few of you thanking me for the assurance that their needle drop is normal on their pine trees and their evergreens. Kathy from Shahola, Pennsylvania asked about a rhododendron, also with yellowing leaves, and I assured her that it's normal to drop, I say, about a fifth of the leaves each year as well, and so there shouldn't be a problem, although hers were newly planted this spring during the drought season, but they kept fabulous care of their plants, watering their plant babies, as we talked about in episode 60, Watering New Plant Babies. It's a fun story, so I hope you enjoy it if you haven't listened to it already. So we are on the cusp of Halloween, and a funny incident occurred while walking Jolie, which turned into a column topic that starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. Halloween enthusiasts decorate their homes like Christmas with purple and orange lights, cobwebs, and spiders. It's so fun to see. Even smoke machines, reminiscent of the disco days. Skeletons, goblins, and ghosts adorned a front yard we came upon. Some were hanging from ropes, and others were hidden behind rocks. Jolie barked a warning, which she rarely does. She usually opts to pull me towards folks to say hello, but these folks were too scary. Where did the gruesome side of Halloween originate, I thought to myself, preferring happy jack-o'-lanterns and cornstalks. Jolly ghosts are fine, too like the one circling a massive sycamore tree on Route 519 in Hope Township, New Jersey. And so, on with the research cap, I had to find out again why the gruesome side of Halloween. Halloween originated 2,000 years ago with the Celts, who lived in what is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and Northern France. They celebrated November 1st as their new year, a day that marked the harvest and the beginning of winter. Yet winter was associated with death due to the struggle of living through long, cold months with very little food. They held a festival, pronounced Samhain, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, from sunset on October 31st to sundown the following day. The night of the 31st is when they believe the spirits of the dead returned, so they set places at their tables to invite them home. They dressed to disguise mostly in mummy-like costumes, and visited neighbors, reciting verses in exchange for food such as nuts and apples. They believed the presence of spirits helped the priests predict the future, which served as a comfort in facing the harsh winter ahead. It occurs to me as I'm sharing the history of the Celtics and their celebration that there is another one we spoke about way back in episode one of this podcast about marigolds and about Mary Stone talks about the celebration of the Day of the Dead, where marigolds are often decorating homes, where they celebrate their loved ones that are on the other side, but with us still, and they truly are. I hope you find comfort in that. 
So anyway, on with the story. The Celtic celebrations found their way into Christianity in the 8th century when Pope Gregory III named November 1st a day to honor saints. It morphed into All Saints Day and integrated some Celtic celebration traditions. The evening before was first called All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. Somehow, Halloween shifted to a secular holiday and the nuts and the apples turned into candy. Perhaps a strategy of candy companies? But all in good fun. It's interesting that areas that aren't close nearby have Halloween and garden events held at public gardens or garden centers. What a clever way to introduce young folks to gardening fun. Maybe we should start that trend around here and pass out bulbs as a treat along with candy. There's still time to plant spring flowering bulbs after all. Smiley face. Back to the magnificent sycamore in hope. There are legends dating back to Egyptian times where the holy sycamore reaching the heavens connected the dead with the living world. American sycamore, which is Plantinus occidentalis, is one of our largest hardwood trees, growing 80 to over 100 feet tall with massive trunks and beefy crooked branches easy to see through the open canopy. They thrive best in deep, moist soil, and they can tolerate acidic, neutral, or alkaline soil. They grow quickly, and they also do well in wetness and drought in zones 4 to 9. I have to say, I literally drop everything I'm doing when I am near a grand sycamore tree. There's just something so stately about them. They really are stunning. Native Americans call them ghosts in the forest. Perhaps that's why the grand sycamore in Hope Township sports a wooden pumpkin poster that says, Boo! Happy Halloween! Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com So it was so fun on my way home yesterday after day two of planting 82 native trees on a historic site in Asbury, New Jersey. I made a point of swinging by that magnificent sycamore in Hope Township and I grabbed a photo. It was kind of hard to do because it's a country road with no shoulders and kind of a busy road for this area. But I was able to roll down the window and grab a shot of those dancing ghosts around the magnificent sycamore. I think it has like a five foot caliber trunk, I'm thinking, maybe even bigger. And that pumpkin smiley face saying boo, it just cheers me up as does that grand sycamore. Speaking of ghosts, it brings a memory of a story way back in 2013 about garden ghosts. You know, the routine of covering your potted gardens with sheets when there's the first risk of frost. There's always that parody. It's like, so let me cover. We're supposed to get a frost. So you do that night after night. And then there's a warm spell. And then you return to doing it. It's such a funny comedy. And it's a funny story. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. But this year, I have to say, I did not cover my potted gardens with sheets deciding to let nature do its thing. There's a certain freedom in that. And besides, you can put your plants to good use that fade away, like add them to the compost pile, or disperse the seeds in hopes that they germinate to new plants next spring. Thanks so much for coming by. I always enjoy our time together, and I hope you have as well. And if so, I would really appreciate for those of you that feel so inclined to provide a five-star rating because the more we have of those for some magical reason, more people find us and then more people can join us in learning and growing in the garden of life. Thanks so much. See you next time.
You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.